Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. open the voice gate for august 1st 2023 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find our show on the voices of wrestling podcast network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms applications you can follow us on x slash twitter at open voice gate if you'd like to donate to the show you click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site just click the right box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, alongside you. Your other co-host, Case Low. In case, I actually spent all day thinking about, like, I don't have a written intro, but I basically do the same thing every week. And I, and during watching Dynamite this last week, I realized I have to, like, call this thing X instead of Twitter now, because they had the X logo whenever they were doing their screen bugs. Like, I, I don't like this. No, I mean, I live in Chicago where nothing, like, we don't call things by the new name. It's still Sears Tower, even though it's the Willis Tower. And, it, you know, I, I know people that still call it Comiskey uh, instead of Guaranteed Rate Field where the White Sox play, or even people that still call it the Cell instead of Guaranteed Rate Field when it was U.S. Cellular Field. I'm, I'll never be in a position where I call it X. That's not happening. Everybody knows it's Twitter. It's still Twitter to me, damn it. I... And I'm also not into all of the Twitter offshoots. Like I don't, I, I don't even have a threads for professional reasons. And and no kidding, that flopped. I mean, it's just the layout of it was all awful. It's all. It, I just, I just want Twitter to just work, and I'm cool with that. And I'm gonna call it Twitter. I'm not going to adopt this this X nonsense. I just as long as I can send people DMs on Twitter, which is up in the air at the moment. But as long as I can send people DMs on Twitter, I'm good. That's all I need from a social media uh, platform. Yeah, I just like so I have, I've had a Blue Sky account for several months, and it's it, it's something that's just incomplete. So there's no reason really to like devote like a like even like promoting things on there. You know, it's just, it, it's in beta. It's a closed garden. There's no reason for that. I just like. 
my 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 one concern is DMs actually, like because I feel like text based things like I was around at the peak of message boards, like Discord does not like really like phase me in that regard. But I think that like at, at least for like my reporting and and you know just a lot of a a, a lot of of reporting and stuff happens through Twitter DMs. I'm like, yeah. what's going to replace that? Well, that's what I was talking to my girlfriend about that last night because she deleted her Twitter app because she was just like, yeah, it's just all negative, and I don't, I, you know, I don't like Elon Musk at all. And I was like, yeah, I'd like good, you know, don't don't get on there. I have, you know, like my shoot life Twitter that she follows, and then I obviously have the wrestling account that everybody here follows, and I spend ninety eight percent of the time I'm logged in on the wrestling account because. You know, I mean, the the Voices of Wrestling Discord is great, and the other Discords I'm in are are great. I get news that way, but I have yet to find an alternative that is better than my Twitter feed with Cubs and Chris Zellner and Gagne and people that are smart and that have good takes and have good insight, and then I just have everybody that I don't like muted. You know, it's I've yet to find a better alternative than that. Yeah, and it's something that, for me, I guess, like, I look at Twitter very much as like, okay, news and then communications because I've seen enough numbers long enough to realize that Twitter as like traffic navigation or as, as a funnel is not worth it. But like, I, I, I don't know. I, I go through phases about, about every three months where I go through and I was like, okay, just wrestling now. And then I have to go back and like delete all the like, Miami football or Texas Rangers accounts I follow on the account <laughs> just to streamline it. And, it, you know, it's the busy time in this in my sports life right now. So I'm, I'm watching I, the Rangers as we speak. It's a White Sox Rangers series kicking off tonight. Man, I hate being in a Bailey's uh, sports or Bally's sports market, man. I really do. I don't, I, think- I don't love the Rangers hard cam. It's very high up in center field. Yeah, it's it, it, it's something that, that that with the ballpark, I haven't been there now and like watch enough games on TV. It's just a very awkward stadium that just it, it, it it's not like one where I feel like it's dripping with excess where like a lot of like other stadiums do. It just feels very vast and awkward. Yeah, I, I, I would like to go because I'm kind of on a kick of wanting to see new stadiums. Now, I'm always a big defender of where the White Sox play. Obviously, you come to Chicago, everybody wants to see Wrigley. I get it. Wrigley's fine. It's not bad by any means, but it is very expensive. I, where the White Sox play, I, I never understand the bad reputation that it has. It has a million different options for food. You can get in the park for cheap, which people like to make fun of, but it benefits them. So I'm not going to make fun of them for it. I have great sight lines if I'm down the left field line, if I'm down the right field line, if I'm up top. Outfield seats are not my thing, but those look like they're great. Uh, But I'm into seeing as many new stadiums as I can because I went to a Bucks playoff game last year and seeing a modern arena, one built in the 2020s or 2019, Oh my God! Uh, stadium technology is ridiculous now, and it's something that's not even like the big, like new NBA. Like you went to the Bucks, like you would expect it to be like top of the line. Like Fort Worth put in, like let me see where this arena was built. Like, but the they used to have an old convention center that I mean, that's part of the time where world class would run bigger shows. But they had this new arena that's not that big. It's like nine thousand seating. It's technically fourteen thousand. I was built in. 2019 and i went to the rodeo there and 
the 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 thing about it is it was so nice but it also was very much a scaled down copycat of the aac and that's the thing i wonder about with like going to all the new arenas it's like at least like when you have like something like barclays where it's like oh there's a lot of like inspiration working on here or you get something like uh, dickie's arena where the outside looks like a lot of the old like rodeo fairgrounds and uh, convention center but it's also very much you step inside and the only difference between it and the american airlines center in dallas is that the american airlines center in dallas it has like these arch like engraved walkways like chiseled out where it's just like texas things this one has a whole bunch of fort worth things so it has like a giant tcu logo tcu to my knowledge does not play at diggy's arena i do i do love the horn frogs though I, I I mean I you get kind of tired of the hypnotoad thing I, very quickly <laughs> very very quickly I I, I obviously I'm a, I'm a Rams fan so I want to go there anyways but SoFi is the one where it's like I keep on looking for an excuse to go out there for a weekend and, and catch a game because everybody that I've talked to that's been there is like it's actually cooler than you think it's going to be and you go in with high expectations anyways the one that I really wanted to see was Mercedes Benz in Atlanta with the yeah. crazy roof yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, that's you know, we're gonna we're gonna cash out with our our new sponsorship money. I know I'm I'm awaiting payment uh, from our our fine folks at BetStamp, a very upstanding organization. And from that, you and I will probably be able to cash out, run our uh, money mark sort of Dragon Door 2.0 Fed, and we'll we'll be booking the biggest arenas in the country. Yep, we're booking the uh, the Globe in Vegas for our launch, right? Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's I, us and then you two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll make sure that Bono gets his date. But uh, God, what a, we what are blowhard. Oh. I, 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 you two. God, they fucking suck. Even like I don't even like the the pre Joshua Tree records. And a few years ago, I was like, I'm gonna sit down and listen to those. And so I bet that's my thing. I bet I like early you two. And even that is just oh, it's so bad. I think that they are the band, the Gen X band that just falls flat to new listeners. I really do because like they're they're supposed to be doing like Zoo TV whatever at the crazy Vegas arena that has over a billion LED screen uh, bulbs on the outside and doing like Octong Baby. And it's like, yeah, no, you're just going to retraw that because that's what your audience wants because Yeah. I you, it, case I'm 30 I I'm 37. I don't know anyone my age who says you know what's a real kick-ass band you too and i'm willing to bet there's even less as younger as we get to people around your age as well like i just think it falls flat after if oh, you're God. born I after mean, 77 i mean mysterious ways is a song like i can't listen to that that's uh, that song's terrible but even i mean like people my age because i'm going through this with my with my girlfriend right now where i'm trying to get her into rem as all 24 year olds do because I don't know. REM's just one of the best bands of all time. And I, I think she has very good music taste. I'm, I'm trying to get her into it. And she's like, I don't know. They just sound so old. And, you know, I, I disagree. But U2 is one where, yeah, there's a complete wall up there. I mean, even if I liked their music, the, the, the roadblock of getting by Bono was just not worth it. Yeah. I, and, and it's something that I think also like the way that they've, I, I mean, for good or bad, force their way into like, the cultural consciousness much longer than like I couldn't tell you the last U two single that I heard. In case you work a you you work in the radio industry, when's the last time that something new from U two has hit like the 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 computer server? Oh my god! I mean, look in in alt radio, 
we're, no one's clamoring for a new U2 single, which is crazy because, and I'll get real inside baseball here for a second, but, you know, what people want right now, the the FM radio listening audience, they, I mean, some people want new bands, but not really. What they want is new songs from bands they know. So, like, Mike, like, you probably haven't heard a new Foo Fighter song in a decade, right? No, but I know that they constantly put out new albums and are constantly touring, and they're usually at the top of the alternative charts each time. Yeah, okay, so, like, they put out a record this year that's actually great. I recommend everybody go listen to the new Foo Fighters record, but the one they put out two years ago, by streaming numbers and by, you know, cultural consciousness, wasn't a hit by any means. You know, it just came and went, and for most people, that was it. In the world of radio, there were like three smash singles on that album. It's the same thing. The, the biggest songs in all this year are the new Foo Fighter song, the new Blink-182 song, which technically is, uh, air quotes, the biggest Blink-182 song ever just because of how long it was number one on the alt charts. And then the Linkin Park song from the Lost Meteora Sessions, that song Lost that they put out, they, they put out a bunch of unreleased music this year, but that's the that's the biggest thing there is is the new old lincoln park song that sat on the shelf for 20 years and then was was released this year for the anniversary of meteora that's the biggest stuff there is people don't want new bands they just they want to hear something vaguely familiar and a new song from a band from 20 years ago will fill that void yeah and say i i think dave Grohl is incredibly talented but like say He's what the you man. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing uh i'm seeing foo fighters in september i'm really excited about oh, it nice Nice, but like the one thing is, is that he's the person that I've always felt like got at least what modern rock and what like the more modern rock music industry is more so than anyone else. He it gets it. Like. He's you know uh, he gets yeah. it. I always give credit to Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy gets it. They play the game. They know what they're doing. I, Billy Corgan, you kind of he goes through eras. Like right now, Billy Corgan's in a very giving mood. He. There are some songs on the new Pumpkins record. There's a lot of bad songs on there, but there's a few that are pretty good. And, and I think Billy knows that, and he's played the game more so uh, this year than in recent years. But it's all, I mean, again, we're talking about bands that peaked 25, you know, years ago uh, to be generous. You know, Siamese Dream came out 30 years ago last week. So it's just, we're in this weird wormhole. But to answer your question in a very long-winded way, U2 is not on that list. No, no one is excited for, I mean, the U2 put out a record this year. Nobody... Nobody cared except for maybe your most like tried and true where music lovers live sort of station. But even then, I don't think they had any great success with it. Yeah, it's imagine that, that they after obligations, that was not re-entering the rotation. Exactly, because, because Bono did like a theater tour this year. But I, I don't I, I think it was like part spoken word and maybe he did some acoustic stuff. He might have just done spoken word. I, I don't know. But he did that. And so you're going to get, you know, a certain, you know, a certain level of stations that will play ball with that just to have access there. But once he leaves your town, you can start to kind of wipe your hands of that. Yeah, I remember you two, like the last time that you two did anything that was any way relevant, at least to me personally, was. Gosh, this would have been like a decade ago at uh, talking about stadiums and places we don't change the name. Joe Robbie, they had like one of their big tours had like claw arms that destroyed the field. And that was during the time that the Marlins, the Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes all played there. And it completely like screwed up scheduling for like three weeks. Completely ruined the field. That's the last time U2 has meant anything to me. Uh, Probably, probably, uh, you know, contributed to a Hanley Ramirez injury and the downfall of Chris Coughlin. 
Hey, Hanley Ramirez. That's a name that I've not heard in a long time. I, I think so. Are, are you doing these immaculate grids every day? We'll talk about Dragon in just a second. I haven't talked to Mike all week. Are you doing these immaculate grids? I tried once and then I realized very quickly that like my peak baseball phase is over and I'm like, I'm not going to rack my brain to think of Bobby Witt. Okay, so I'm going through a similar thing. I do the baseball one and the basketball one every day. I've yet to solve all nine squares and I've been doing it for about a week now, but it's really fun going into the recesses of your brain and trying to remember a Hanley Ramirez. Uh, uh, the one I got today was uh, Sean Figgins on the Angels. Okay. Was, I, I pulled him out and got a correct answer there, and that made me feel really good. All right. I, you know, I guess AL West. That's why, like, whenever I hear Sean Figgins, I'm like, all right, yeah, no. He yeah, was that's the, but uh, yeah, like my sweet spot's like 2008 to 2012 AL Central guys. So if there's Twins, if there's Royals, obviously if there's Tigers or White Sox, I'm kind of locked in there anything else and it is it is a struggle and i i can't do the football one i just i don't know enough yeah like that's the thing about me with the baseball one is if you give me nl i never bother with nl like my entire life i mean i grew up in dallas fort worth that's an al team like i when i was a kid interleague still was not a thing like interleague started happening when i was 11 so i just never like and even like my my family from the midwest were nominally Cincinnati Reds fans it was not like that they were like that diehard to constantly like try to get Reds games in the house in the early 90s so it, Immaculate Grid just doesn't work for me because they're gonna like have something about like I don't know the Colorado Rockies and if it's not Todd Helton then I'm SOL all right that's oh my I yes this is the thing I went through it was a day or two ago the Rockies were there and I start thinking, I go, God, I, I, my, my poll there was Ubaldo Jimenez because I think they okay. were looking for a like a pitcher with 200 strikeouts in a season, and I, I nailed Jimenez. And I was like, God, if it wasn't him, I can't think of another Rockies pitcher. Yeah, Ubaldo's the only one I can remember of yeah, right now, I, top yeah. of my head. Jeez. Well, Mike, we're here to talk about Drangate, so let's preview the Gleet show coming up in a few days. All right. All right. Yeah, we will get to uh, King of Gate Final Four and this Thursday's Cork and King of Gate Finals in a moment. But we, we have to look on, on the other side of the Dragon system here. Glate version Mega coming this Friday, Sumo Hall. Biggest show of this uh, splinter of the Dragon system's existence. And honestly, the uh, if we really want to look at it, probably the uh, biggest splinter show... I would say since uh, the launch of Dragon Door. Yeah, yeah. Post Torimon split. I mean, this is, I think, technically bigger than the Dragon Door show, but the Dragon Door show arguably had more cultural impact. But after that, they didn't do anything bigger. El Dorado never had a show this big. I mean, even like. I don't know if Osaka Pro. Osaka Pros has some shows that have done massive yeah. numbers, but they're more so in public spaces. But this is Sumo Hall. You know, this is a big show. I, I, I would say that this would, at least from like Osaka Pro is something that I always say, like I'm going to eventually take the six months and once a week watch through to like, like set an afternoon in the weekend and make it my Osaka Pro time. I, I believe like the hurricane shows that they would, because they used to run Body Maker for hurricane like their yeah. biggest shows of the year but it was something that you know i mean the, the 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 stakes for osaka running hurricane were a lot more different than i would say than glades uh, uh sumo hall debut uh just like 
looking overall at the card, I know the hot topic is going to be attendance. So let's just do that. I saw in the uh, Glate channel in the Discord a number thrown around for over under case, and just want to use this as a little bit of a launching point here. Uh, two uh, over under was listed at thirty four sixty five. Thirty four sixty five. I mean, God, that that sounds low just off the jump. That's okay. So that's what DDT Peter Pan did was thirty four sixty five on the dot. Uh, Noah's show in May. What, what that was Jake Lee and Marafuji that did twenty seven twenty one. The altogether show did sixty five hundred, and Sakura Genesis did sixty five hundred. So maybe they're capping it at sixty five hundred right now. And your the over under there was thirty four sixty five. You said correct. I'm taking the under. I mean, I you know. Th- at Noah's Noah's doing two thousand there, twenty five hundred if you're generous. That feels way more in line with what I think they can do than thirty five hundred. Yeah, twenty five hundred was the number that I kind of came to when I saw that as that. Just because so the their main eventing with Ibushi, it's his first match in Japan in two years, a uh, five on five elimination match. Uh uh, the Glate side, uh, basically the Young Stars, Takanori Ito, Soma Watanabe, El Lindemann, Chuck Shimatani, and Kaito Ishida versus Kota Bushi, Shuji, Shikawa, Daisuke Sakamono, uh, Hagane Shino, and Yumihito and Minari. Uh, what is that match? What's to gain there other than, I, what, 400 tickets sold? I mean, maybe I'm underestimating the star power of a star power of Ibushi to some degree, but this, you know... Even though we live where we do, i.e. on the other side of the world, you and I can feel when there's a hot match, and unless I'm just totally disconnected, it's not like this is something that people are clamoring for. You know, it's a spectacle, but it's not It's not Ibushi versus Lindemann or Ibushi versus T-Hawk, you know, and right. the problem is that Gleet doesn't have anybody else that's on Ibushi's level, so you end up in this 10-man, and... I, I don't, you know, maybe I'm too hard on it. Look, we weren't planning on talking about Gleet, and then I saw a video of Takahiro Yamamura training right before we started recording, and I got annoyed, so I said, let's do this. <laughs> I, you know, what's, like, what's the point of all this? I, 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 having Ibushi on your show, like, that's the, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this, and the way it's constructed, like, it's not like any of the Gleet guys can do anything that's going to, like, None of none of those five are gonna get a fall in Ibushi and eliminating them in this match. Like it just does not seem like that that what do you do if you're presented with the opportunity that hey, uh Sumawa Nabe, Abushi wants you to he, he wants him to go over him. Like I don't know how this Even Ashida. I mean, think yeah. about Ashida here. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm completely of the mindset that this is a downgrade from whatever Ashida could have possibly done in Dragon Gate at this point in his career. Because, you know, if he stays, right. he's probably he's probably in the Shimizu position, quite honestly, because he's not a Reiwa 6 guy. He's probably just doing the angle that Shimizu is doing in King of Gate right now. In a Dreamgate match at Oda City is just objectively bigger than a, a hodgepodge 10-man where you might never see Ibushi in this promotion again. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what does Ashida get out of eliminating 
Hagane Shino. Absolutely nothing. It does not. The, it, it's a name that like that. All the other names are like, yeah, Shuji Shikawa and Daisuke Sakamoto carry a level of cachet here, but it's not like people are able to really gain anything out of it. So then you you take the step back, you look at the remainder of the card, you have, and then you see Ibushi, then you see like uh, Minoru Suzuki, you see uh, Hiromu Takahashi, you see Shima's return match, Shima's return match, you see Junior Fujita in this show, and you keep on going up and down the card and at a certain point you there's only one natural conclusion i think you could take away from this is they want to have a somewhat respectable sumo hall number if that's 3465 as a determining point or if that's a 2500 what have you and they don't have the confidence that their home roster is going to deliver that the home roster can't put a thousand in corrigan so what does this accomplish? Gets, get, you're in the big building. You hope that bringing in the biggest stars and at least two other promotions in here to bolster your numbers so you're not embarrassed so the photographs look good. Okay, let me let, we'll, we'll expedite this preview real quick because there's one other glute thing I want to talk about. But let me, let me pinpoint the Dragon System guys on the roster and some of the Gleet homegrown guys and look at the position they're in, and I'll tell you whether or not they're, they'll be in a better position leaving this show. And I think you can lump in Ito, Watanabe, Lindemann, Shekshimitani, who's our guy, and Ishida. They're the five guys in the 10-man that are representing Glee. None of those guys are going to gain anything from that match. You've got T-Hawk versus Tamora. That's the G-Rex title match. I don't know. I I, I wish they saw uh, in Shekshimitani what they see in Tamora. You know, either T-Hawk wins and the world keeps spinning, or Hayato Tomorrow wins, and who cares? You know, we can pretend that they made a guy for a day, and then they'll do seven hundred and cork, and we'll all move on with our lives. I, the The big thing here is the the tag title match with the Saito brothers against Kawakami and Galino Del Mall. You have to belt up Galino Del Mall. That that's the guy. I mean, I would put him against T Hawk on this show. Yeah, I think that that this is. I I don't know, like with the, how people are in that office and in that room, but. I am stunned with someone who has the reputation for the pol- or having his fingers on the pulse as much as Shima does that he has not seen the reaction whenever Galino Damal shows up, you know, or like looks and sees like, oh, get a whole lot of bulk orchestra gifts out there when uh, it's Galino in there versus if it's just Kazma and Quiet Storm. Like it, it, it it's something that makes me. There's a lot of reasons why I think Shima might have lost his fastball, but um, not taking advantage of Galeno Del Mall is definitely one one of the bigger ones. Well, it'll be interesting to see between him and Yutani, who's in this, uh, and, uh, well, that turned into an eight-man. That's Kento, Shigehiro Irie, Junji, and Jack Cartwheel versus Kotaro Suzuki, Hartley Jackson, Kichi Sato, and Yutani. It'll be interesting to see if Yutani takes the fall and if Galino Del Mall takes the fall, given the shakeup in Big Lucha, Bandito's out there. Bandito is obviously the plug between Gleet and Big Lucha. There's a chance that they could just end up losing Galino Del Mall. And I don't know anything. I'm not reporting that. But there's a, a, a power structure shakeup in Mexico that could very easily and very quickly have ramifications on what they're doing in Japan. Yeah, I wonder, though, if... 
with that overall Golden Guns, uh, big lucha shakeup with it, when it comes down to it. Like if this was like the first month of that relationship, if that was very much so what you're saying, but over the passage of time, if individual relationships kind of form so they don't have to deal with the office or if Bandito doesn't have power or does not have say anymore, you're still able to get your guys over. Yeah, they're obviously, you know, they're losing Golden Guns. They're not losing Black Generation, although I would cackle uproariously if for some reason they they stop being able to book Black Generation and Ashida just has to go and do something else. I just think that would be very funny. But it's something to keep an eye on, you know, because, you know, the new people in charge, who, who the people who won that power struggle, maybe they're not into this because they lose some of their their main guys for weeks at a time. And, you know, Big Lucha has really stopped running as frequently as they they were in prior years. I don't think it's because of the Gleet relationship, but it certainly can't help if, you know, you have Galeno Del Mall and a staple on your shows like Utani elsewhere. It's, you know, it's it's not good. Uh, it's not good for the promotion at home. So we'll have to keep an eye there. The other thing I wanted to mention, second match on the show, Tetsuya Izuchi, who I'm a huge fan of. I think the guy's great. I, I think he has natural babyface charisma. In an ideal world, he would be somebody that this promotion would build around, and you know, ideally, they would be able to again draw a thousand fans in Tokyo. He's in a fucking MMA match. What I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, maybe they realize that he is just an absolute geek, and you might as well just feed him to the slaughter and hope that it engenders some sort of support. This feels like the type of show that you need to watch on VHS tape. You know what I mean? Like this is this will be like a six hour show and there will be matches that will be really good. There will be some stuff that sucks. But I think to fully embrace what this show is, I need to make my first IVP video order in like seven years and preferably on tape and not even DVD. Yeah, and you couldn't put the tape into your VHS deck until 1030 that night. Yeah. This is not this is not a show that you take all day and watch. This is a show like I know case you don't drink, so it's not the case. This is a show that, you know, if things are looking a little bleak or you're a little bit, you know, contemplative after a night out, you you, you go home and you put on Glade version of It's makeup. very funny you say that because when you started, I was like, Yeah, I guess I could get like I I've never you know, I've never gotten high in my life, but if I was going to, it might be Gleet version mega from fucking super walls <laughs> <laughs> like you know no better way to consume it like this show should not be hd on youtube or they might even they might even have 4k cameras those shows yeah they so might good. And yeah. No, this should be a grainy third gen vhs tape and i should have to wait three weeks to watch it and then it doesn't live up to my expectations yeah and you have to uh negotiate with someone saying hey uh i don't really want to pick it up from you at the show uh pay i'm paying postage you yeah know, i've got but... a i've got a chris hero t-shirt do you want to trade i'll trade you the shirt for the tape uh something like that <laughs> real quick did you see what Gle so it's their schedule is so weird we talked about how noah doesn't run shows ever last week i'm looking at the glee schedule here they ran july 1st tokyo dome city hall anniversary show they ran and the Umeda Sky Building, which is one of their mainstays, on July 16th. And that was their last show before this. Did you see the main event of that show? Yeah, that was... I I, I, I like the, the when they shake it up to the extent that you make Azuchi team with Galeno. Yeah, no, the match Just on paper is fine. I, I haven't seen the match yet. I'm sure it's good. It's billed as a Generation Z premium match. What? Look, I know Dragon Gate didn't invent 
pushing young guys or doing generational warfare. But good lord, they do this big promo, giant angle makes you know makes headlines in Japan at Dead or Alive. This is the Reiwa Six. And then New Japan comes along and they go, we have our Reiwa Musketeers. And now Gleet's here tagging along going, we have Generation Z. And it's just like, what? what is this? Why are there three promotions doing the same angle right now? Uh, four. Uh, is, I, is Stardom pushing like 16-year-olds? Is that their gimmick? No, it, but, but they do call their younger, like, motivating stars the Golden Generation. Okay. Who's the fourth? Oh, that, that was the fourth promotion. Oh, it was Stardom. Okay, all right. I was hoping you were going to say, like, Big Japan or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> Big Japan's got some 21-year-olds they want to push. You know, 2AW, they, 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 they found the new pillars right now. Hey, man, if I could break Ayato Yoshida out of there, I would. That that was, uh, boy, did he get screwed on that. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think of a way to make Ayato Yoshida and Takamichi Noku into a transition to Final Gate t- talk but uh should well, we get into ayato, y- ayato yoshida and takamichi noko had a lot of controversy but you know what's not controversial the way dragon gate has booked king of gate 2023 because i am satisfied there we go king of gate 2023 we are we now have a final four we look ahead to thursday at cork and hall for the semifinals and the finals of the 2023 king of gate however we did have one last match before we got to tokyo this weekend it was in Tsushima on the 29th. Uh, Hyo versus Dragon Daya. Hyo won with a Neko Tamashi in 17 minutes, become the fourth and final semifinalist, and cementing his. I don't know that this is not a Ginky Horiguchi level Cinderella run, but he is the Cinderella of 2023, the Black Panther Hyo. I thought this was terrific. And I came on here last week. I talked about how I thought it would make a lot of sense for Dragon Daya to be the one to move on. I thought, hey, you know, I think the Hyo thing is a little bit played out. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I want to see him in this big of a spot against Coach Minora, but Hyo shut me up here. You know, I, this was his best performance in a very, very long time. This was the Hyo character, the big brain, uh, the guy who's not bigger than you, faster than you, uh, but is smarter than you, really coming into play. And I thought they stuck the landing for what this match was. Yeah, I was really impressed with the way that they kind of worked the uh, Hyo's uh, shenanigans in it, in it, for the lack of better words, in comparison to how during the Brave Gate run last year and 2022's King of Gate, where the big brain stuff, like you knew it was happening and you saw it, but you're like, okay, we got that over with. Is this going to be the finish or are we getting something clean out of this? Instead, it was woven into the story in a really fascinating way with one of the things about King of Gate is usually first round matches, you don't have any seconds because if you're in the tournament, you usually don't come and stand and second someone who's in it. So you only really get to see people seconding their unit mates partway through the tournament. So you had Yuki Yoshioka out there for Dragon Dia, but because of the shenanigans that were afoot, all the heel run-ins from Zebrats and Madoka Kakuda gets out there and then they finally just lay out zebrats and completely take that out to have the clean or the somewhat clean finish for hyo there and i thought that was a real brilliant and one of the smartest booked zebrats interference spots in a tournament in years yeah you know hyo did nothing new here it's nothing that we haven't seen before 
but it all felt fresher than it normally does. And and normally I would point to, okay, well, who was he in the ring with? You know, is there something that Daya brought to the table that made this pop a little bit more than it normally does? But, you know, let's be honest, we've seen a lot of Hyo and Dragon Daya. You know, this isn't this isn't even a new combination, but this was just one of those nights where these guys were on, the crowd was invested, and things just worked to a degree that was that was very pleasing. Yeah, and it was even something where you had little things that don't always connect when these guys face off. Like, so Hyo does his second rope uh, back sent on, and that's not necessarily been the move that's been getting him wins in the tournament, but that has been one of the trademark moves he's had. After he lands it, you have probably the biggest uh, near fall of the match because Daya hooks the arm and goes for a crucifix there. These aren't things that we would see in some of the previous encounters or matchups with these two guys. Yeah, no, this was worked. This was worked like a big time match. I mean, quite frankly, I I wish Hyo's Bravegate run had been worked with this level of intensity. It really, I thought it sort of lacked this. I I knew he had this in him. It's why I was such a vocal supporter of him. And why we've you know we've always loved him on this podcast because he, he's not he's not a great wrestler, but he does have the ability to craft great matches. And when his character is on, when he's feeling himself. He sort of lulls you into greatness where, you know, you have, you know, a Kakuta or a Skywalker or Yoshioka and you watch them and it's very cut and dry. It's, that's a great match. I know it in the moment. I know what I'm watching. And he was one of those guys where you get kind of suckered in and with all the bells and whistles and the chair spots, the interference. And by the end of it, when you have a satisfying conclusion like this, when the match really pays off to a degree that you want it to, you have to sit back and go, wait a minute, that was, that was really good all right, I'm, I'm on board here. And that's that's exactly what happened. I, I really, I, I would put this, you know, certainly not in the upper tier of tournament matches, you know, not a Shimizu, uh, uh, Shimizu Skywalker, a Kakuta Mochizuki, uh, a Shimizu Susumu even. But this is in that second tier, kind of next to Yoshioka versus Kamei, where I didn't quite go spreadsheet on it, but I also, I really thought they did a good job here. Yeah, this was a healthy three and three quarters for yes, me Yes, very as much well. so. It, it, and it was something where, as you look at stories coming out of Kingagate, uh, it really, like, he, you look at Hyo, and he has been someone that if you take Kingagate since returning to live crowds in 2021, maybe not last year, but there's been no one over the last three years of Dragon Gate who has been able to take this format, take these kind of matches, take king of gate and make it a, a a place for a springboard for them because as we saw Hio make that big step in 2021 with the great brain gimmick we now see a fully conceptualized per a wrestler we see someone here that i think that we've talked about this as the tournament's gone along he's got to be like as soon as diamante comes back and we, we can get into thinking he's maybe returning on thursday you're going to want to have someone with him and someone ready for a face turn. And I think like you, you drop some of the Zebrats cheating and you have something there with the uh, Hyo where could, I could very easily see a Hyo Diamante entrance into gold class and then having Hyo and Diamante as a twin gate team by this time next year. Like we have already won the twin gate there. Like it feels like that, out of coming out of this tournament, he's been the person 
like the story's been about Shimizu, but we've but he has made it clear not to forget about him during King of Gate 2023. Yeah, and I'm even leaning more in the direction of I I don't think they'll be joining Gold Class. I think they're going to do their own thing. But you you kind of led me to what what I was going to talk about, which was Hyo was so good in this match, it made me want to see him turn immediately. I, I think. If you get out here, if you get out at this moment, historically, we'll all be not not that, you know, we were going to slam it or, or give it, you know, heavenly praise in either direction. But I think history will be much kinder on the heel heel run, which has lasted for four years. I mean, he he won the battle royal to turn heel. And that, I mean, Mike, that was 2019, right? Yeah, because uh, as when we get on to our other topic for tonight, uh, he was in Mochizuki Dojo for a long time, yeah, like, and yeah, it was, tw- and 2019, like, that feels like a lifetime ago, but it's something where, like, this was his second step, was this heel turn, and it's ready for him, because it, it he was really kind of slotted in as the bottom guy in Mochizuki Dojo, and without this heel turn, he wouldn't have had that Triangle Gate, Twin Gate, Brave Gate runs that he ended up having, and I think now you look at this, and well, whenever Diamante is stepping back through the curtain, there's one guy that needs to be tied to the hip with him, and it's got to be Hyo. I, I'm in complete agreement. I, I hope they rip the Band-Aid off at Corkin in August. You know, part of our our coverage post-Kobe world, because I, I asked people that live in Japan that understand the culture just a little bit better because I wanted a good read on it, was, you know, Diamante coming back and immediately stepping away I don't think that sort of thing would get play in America. I don't think people would get it, but they leaned really heavily into the fact that he's going to go spend time with his family. And maybe it's, you know, for lack of a better term, a mask to cover up an injury that he suffered, but they really leaned hard on him going to spend time with his family. And everybody that I talked to there goes, no, he's, he's okay. When he comes back, he's going to be a star. People are going to shriek as they did for the July Corkin show when he came through the curtain. But selfishly, I want him back. I want to see the movement here. I want to turn Hyo face, you know, and it, as I've always said, and I'll say it again, Hyo needs to turn face just so he can turn heel again. He has found his calling as an undersized heel. It's a, it's a valuable role to have. It's a special place to be on the roster. He's found his spot there, but he needs to freshen up. He needs to be a baby face for, you know, 15, 18 months. And then that heel turn, when it comes again, it's going to hit in all of the right ways. And with Hyo's win, we have our final four of King of Gate 2023 after the quarterfinal in Tsushima. All four of the guys got out there. Madoka Kakuda, the Open the Dream Gate champion, Big Boss Shimizu, and Kota Minora. Uh, per- basically cutting a promo previewing the upcoming action and that led to a final four tag match in Yamaguchi the next day. It was Shimizu with Hio versus Kakuda and Minora. Case, did you get a chance to catch this YouTube upload? I did. I thought it was fine. That's my review of it. You know, I I've I, the the sometimes the the road to tag matches just don't work for me, and this was one. I I'm gonna be really excited come Corkin. This did not uh, necessarily build to my excitement though. Yeah, like, the the only big thing that I came out of this match was it was nice seeing, like, Shimizu was serious but not dripping back into heel shtick a little bit with Hyo. Like, that's that's something that could happen with it, but it, it was 
I, I would say not rote, but it was it was what you expect. You got to see the face-offs there. It, it, it's clear that Shimizu and uh, Kakuda will be carrying the load in the semifinals is is pretty much <laughs> yeah. like the big takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder what the better match is going to be. Uh, Shimizu and uh, Kakuta or Hyo and Minora. I think we know the answer to that. Hey, you know, I mean, who's to say that we don't somehow get this masterpiece? I, I, I'm saying we're not. We're not getting a masterpiece out of this. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how uh, uh, Minora versus Hio is on Thursday. I wanted to take a second case before we start previewing these quarterfinal matchups. And so we have our final four here. I just wanted to take a moment, like, in this kind of week where it's King of Gate. We have the final on Thursday. And let's talk about the past each of the semifinalists had making it to uh, the final four in Cork and Hall on Thursday. First of Hio, he defeated UT and KZ before getting the win over Dragon Daya in the, in the last quarterfinal. I, I think I have to come away. Like we, we we've spent like the last 10 minutes on him, but he's probably other than Shimizu telling his story. The person I would say has the biggest stock up coming out of King of Kate so far. What, what, where are you, what, what, where's your vibe at with Hio going into the final day of King of Gate? He's been great. You know, I, the KZ match was outstanding. I mean, that, that's one of those where I kind of, you know, a week removed from it. I think, God, that match, that match really stuck with me. That was really something. And, and you know, we just got done raving about this Dragon Dia match. I, I think if you would have pitched this final four to me at the start of the tournament, I would have been a little bit disappointed because like I said at the start of the pod, you know, it it just it felt like we had seen everything that he was capable of in this role. And it was a, an undeniable success because for the longest time, he was just a guy in leopard print shorts going nowhere. We were, I think, the only two people in the world, America, Japan, Europe, that were, were active fans of Hyo Watanabe. And this heel run has, has turned him into a guy, you know, a, a focal point on the roster but it really had felt like it had been winding down this year. I haven't really been enamored with his work, but he turned things around and the KZ match was excellent. The Dia match was excellent. The UT match was pretty good. I, I don't know how you can come away not feeling a little bit better about Hyo with just his place on in, in Dragon Gate after this. Yep, that's basically the exact reason why I am massive stock up with him as well. He'll be facing Kota Minora in the uh, semifinals in Tokyo. Minora defeated Doi in Osaka to kick off his 2023 King of Gate. Uh, follow that up with defeating the uh, the would-be Cinderella story of King of Gate punch in short order. And then finally, vanquishing probably the uh, biggest demon he had, his first ever direct one-on-one -on -one victory over Yuki Yoshioka in the quarterfinals in their hometown of Gifu. I think like that this was more of a reset year for Minora, but this... I'm coming away with this, maybe not as firmly stock up as Hyo or others people that we're about to talk about, but th this was the the performance that I wanted to see out of him after the last few years. Yeah, you know, I, I said this last week and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate it here because I thought Drangi did a really good job with Daya versus Hyo and reaffirming this point. If you're understanding what this tournament is, which it's not block play, it's not 2016 where you have dozens upon dozens of opportunities for great matches, but rather this single elimination tournament where from the start, I think we had a pretty good idea of Shimizu making his run. And then it was a matter of whether or not they were going to lean hard on Yoshioka or Minora. And they went with Minora, but 
this has been a tournament that has told a lot of stories. And, and the thing that I always look for in a tournament like this is guys that come out of the tournament in a better position than they came in with. And if you want to talk about rehabilitation and stock up and changing the perception of a guy, Coach Minora is the answer. You know, he he finally got back to a spot where I'm I'm not flinching around him. I don't have those triggers of 2022. I don't have that PTSD. It's all gone. He's been great. I love the Doi match and the Yoshioka match, which I sent to a lot of people. You know, I, I that is for some people their match the tournament. It's not for me. I, I liked a few others just a little bit more. But, you know, we're in a position where Menor is about to make his third King of Gate finals in a row, assuming he takes care of Hyo, which would be shocking if he didn't. And again, much like Hyo, had you pitched that finals to me of, you know, Hyo and Menor in the semifinals and Menor in the finals, if you would have pitched me that a month ago, I would have gone, oh, God, you know, that's that's stale. That's boring. But now I'm all about it. I, I think they've done a really good job with that left side of the bracket this year. Yeah, and it's something where I think this is the advantage of the knockout style where you have someone like Minora where you're able to kind of tell two different stories with his tournament so far that you're not really able to. You're more restricted into, well, you have your league and then whatever can happen out of that. You're able to kind of set your story more with a knockout where in the first round, he takes out the guy who spent six months headhunting him, building a unit around him, and then walked out. Minori gets that one, and then he's able to beat the guy that had his number throughout the, his career in Yoshioka, and I think that that is a story you can't tell in a league-formatted tournament. No, and to go on to that point, you know, I'll sort of jump ahead here, but it, it'll be worth it to do it right now. But the push of Coach Manura, the, the real start of his career, it came on July 4th of 2020, the very first show that Drangate ran with limited capacity fans post-COVID. This was the, the KBS Hall double shot. They did Champion Gate in Osaka in February and March did a few empty arena shows and then the empty arena King of gate in 2020. And then they came back in Kyoto and that show, it was booked to be Shimizu versus Yosuke Santa Maria. And Maria pulled out the day before the show, she hurt her shoulder uh, training. And so they put Shimizu uh, against coach Minora and it led to a 15 minute time limit draw. And it was very clear to everyone watching that was a moment for Minora. He was elevated there, and then he spent the back half of 2020 and the early parts of 2021 just big win, big win, big moment, featured here, featured there, featured in the main event, pinning guys in the main event. And that's you know why he has the career that he has. It, it'll be really interesting, assuming that Shimizu is the one that moves on, you know, this will be the first time they've wrestled in a singles match since then. So you're not only seeing Minora with his history with Doi and with his history with Yoshioka, there's a bigger story there with he and Shimizu than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, and if you really are mining for all the story, Minora and Hio, members of Mochizuki Dojo. That's right. So That's right. You, you, you and, have and, a lot. You know, Hyo, I mean, Hio had been in the company for two full years basically by the time menorah came in and it took one month for menorah to surpass him in the pecking order you know i i always point to menorah debuted in july black tights young boy by august he had gear and a loose gimmick and signature moves it was just off to the races and hyo for you know two years was nothing it just just a guy getting beat in opening matches 
Yeah, so there's a lot to be said about Minora's uh, King of Gate 2023. Taking a look at the other half of the bracket, Big Boss Shimizu was fingered to have be the major player of King of Gate this year. It still very much seems that way, just not in the way we anticipated when we first saw the 32-man bracket. He defeats Reiwa 6 member Shun Skywalker on opening night, then advances on to take out the, uh, I don't, breakout star of 2023 Yazushi Kanda and Kyoto and follows that up with defeating Yazushi Kanda's tag team partner Sumu Mochizuki in the quarterfinals to set this up. We thought it was Reiwa 6, but instead we are getting kind of a little bit of an N2K run out of Shimizu's 2023. Yeah, this was great. You know, he's he's been everything that I wanted him to be, everything that I thought he would be. It was seven years ago that he went to the finals of King of Gate 2016 against Yamato. He was brilliant there. I, I thought he was the 10th best wrestler in the world in 2016. And I, I've said since, you know, as his career, you know, he shifted further and further down the pecking order and further out of favor with American fans. I've always said, you know, if you're new to Dragon Gate, you don't understand how good this guy is. He's so talented. It's just a matter of opportunity and him keeping his head on straight. And he's done it here. You know, I, I really, I think he's going to pin Kakuta in the opener. Just the the impact of that, the effect of that, Kakuta falling in the opening match, I think will be a great moment. And I expect he and Minora to go out there and kill each other. I think that's going to be a really hard-hitting match. I think they're going to do a lot of crazy things to one another. And I, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what they come up with. And I think this is Shimizu's tournament to win. I think he should win. And I think, you know, he and Kakuta going back again, doing it in Ota City will be a very, very respectable, dangerous gate main event. I'm very happy for him. Yeah, it's the the story that they wanted to tell, and it's being told excellently. And and I do think that we are, I, I the, Shimizu is someone that there is always going to be the, 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 is Shimizu taking it seriously kind of thing, because he had that track record, but I mean. Did you notice that uh, Shimizu, uh, he's always been, and he, I think he always will be, a little bit of a thicker guy. He, he's he's tightening it up over the last month, too. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, he's got the, the main event push body. I, I get it. You know, next year yeah, he'll he balloon great. up again. But yeah, he, he's, th- this, is, this is adult big boss Shimizu. He's been at the company 10 years now, celebrated his 10th anniversary in May. This will undoubtedly be the biggest spot of his career because I'm, I'm trying to think now I know he wrestled Mochizuki for the dream gate belt, but that was a Wakayama show. And then he had Kai last year in this, you know, Osaka's his hometown, but dangerous gate is bigger than champion gate in Osaka. This is, this is going to be the biggest match of his career. And he's a guy who, uh, you know, I think if you go through his cage match, you'll realize he's been in a lot of big matches on big shows, but nothing quite like this. And we will talk about one of the lesser-known big matches on big shows in a little bit. That brings us to our Open the Dream Gate champion, Madoka Kakuda. He defeated Misaki Mochizuki in the opening round. Then he had a bit of the big boys uh, road, uh, taking out Takashi Yoshida and then Shuji Kondo. Something of note, 15 minutes with Yoshida, 20 minutes with Kondo. Champs walking into Tokyo with 35 minutes of super heavyweight wrestling in his last two tournament matches. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a good tournament for him as well. It's more continued good work. I told everybody leaving Kobe World, because the build for Kakuti versus Yoshioka was what it was, a lot of people were very quick to cast stones. 
and write him off, even though he had done 11 months of, uh, you know, of not only great work, but almost borderline perfect work to get to the position that he was in. There were no missteps along the way. It was, you know, Rio Saito getting cute with the Dreamgate booking as we got closer to the biggest show of the year, a fatal flaw of him as a booker. And Kakucha's come back in this tournament and been everything that he should be. You know, it's just a, a lot of people, I think, with their finger off the pulse there, ready to write off Kakuta, and he's shown that they were they were just entirely incorrect. And being completely honest, he was not given the tournament to have the matches i would say for non-native fans to go off on in the way that we see how international fans usually are towards dragon gate he just didn't have he wasn't presented the options to i mean yoshida that that was a very specific kind of match i'm then again i think i'm highest on kakuda's tournament than anyone else covering it but because yeah, you like the yoshida match which i didn't you know i i was yeah you know, please i'll take the mochizuki match and you know, I'll take the uh, the condo match, and I had no use for Yoshida, but you love that too because you're a sick little freak. I I sometimes I sometimes I really want the show of vibes, and we got show of vibes with Yoshida and Kakuda just running at each other. Like yeah, I, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm completely rational in my my likes and dislikes, but sometimes sometimes you, sometimes you just want to see big guys collide for a little bit. I saw that with Kakuta and Kondo, and I really enjoyed it. I, I did not feel like I saw that with Kakuta versus Yoshida. Hey, it'll be a four-star match that you'll make fun of me about, and I'll completely forget about in December. No, it'll, it'll be fun when we're doing this in, like, 2027, and I have you pull up something from your spreadsheet this year, and then we've got to go and backtrack and and think, wait, why did you give Kakuta versus Yoshida four stars? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like something you would do. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking at my notes for it right now, and all I have for this in 2027 to go with is just hossing off, a very heavyweight feeling, no howling, this is very much champion comes home, discus, lariat, great, four stars. I'm going to have no way to discern why I like this match. No, that's psychotic. Those (laughs) notes will not make any sense two weeks from now. Buddy, they're not going to make sense in 40 years when you get all these notebooks either. I know, I know. I'm, I, you know, I, I don't want to see you die, but I do look forward to inheriting your life's work. <laughs> uh, l- l- we've talked about the path that these four guys had. Let's take a look at the matches that we have in Cork and coming up. They're, they're listed as matches one and two on Thursday's show. Uh, Kakuda versus Shimizu leading off, then Minora versus Hio. Let's get the easy one out of the way, and I'll try to do this in a fun way. Ten minutes. Over, under, Minora versus Hio. Under. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty... That, that, that doesn't need to go that long, you know? And I think this match at eight minutes is much better than what this match could be at 12. I think this match at four minutes is better than what it could be at eight. You know, I, I kind of just want to go out and see Minora and Hio basically do like a gimmicky G1 sprint. You know, do do their thing the way they do it, but do it as short as they possibly can. Do we think that uh, Takeyuki Yagi can move at two times speed for the ref bump, though? No. Have you seen him take a ref bump? He moves at half speed. He took a pretty good one in that Hyo versus Daya match. They, they they made it work, but you're you're he not going to be I, able I wonder, to. I wonder if the office had to talk to him because Nakagawa's gone now, and, and he was sort of the king of ref bumps. I mean, he's taken... He's not only taken the best ref bumps in Dragon Gate history, he's taken some of the best ref bumps ever. I wonder if if they pulled uh, Yagi aside and were like, hey, so, yeah, the young guy's gone. You gotta you gotta go back to bumping and you gotta up the up the ante a little bit. 
I, I would like to think that's how that went because you're right. Yagi did take a good bump in that match. Yeah, they were like, you know, Nakagawa took that go to hospital number two. He took that. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the rookie ref is like, just keep this in mind in a couple of years. Yeah, just just, just remember this is you one day. You're you're inheriting yeah, yeah. a drop kick to the face. You're inheriting a, a single leg drop kick that you will have to go to the hospital for. But just yeah. prepare yourself with that. But uh, I just like I had in in our show list like perspective finals. Uh, Hio versus Shimizu and Hio versus Kakuda. How does Hio win this match other than outright fuckery? I mean, that's the only way that you do it. But I just I don't know what you what you gain from that. You know, the advantage of having King, King of Gate in July post world instead of in May pre world is it really opens you up to a lot of different possibilities of who could win the tournament. But we're still going under the assumption that whoever wins this is getting a Dreamgate shot and specifically getting it for Dangerous Gate this year. And there's just no way that Hyo's doing that. You know, if he had been running a gimmick for the entire tournament, uh, similar to when he won the the Dragon Quest Battle Royal or whatever it was called that led to led to chaos. Uh, what, what was the what, what did he cash that in on? What was the payoff there? Because you know more than I do. Oh, he cashed it in on the unit disbands match at the, Final yeah, Gate 2020. Already in Toriumon generation, that's right. Okay, so, you know, if he had been running a gimmick the entire tournament where he's like, you know, I don't want a Dreamgate match, I don't care about that belt, but I want natural vibes to go away if I win, okay, now we're talking. I could I could certainly get on board with him at least going to the finals, but, you know, I, I there's no there's no reason for it. it you know, it's, it's weird because now the alternative is Minora makes his third finals in a row and will likely lose again. But I think that's that doesn't hurt him in the long run. Hyo winning and going to the finals would just be bizarre. Yeah, so it's we just have to keep an eye on the clock. Maybe maybe this can make the uh the sprint match pantheon here if they make it under five. Uh, the other semifinal, Kakuda versus Shimizu. I bring up the um, ring time that Kakuda had and the path he had going to this. I feel like this is something where Kakuda just gives out. You know, I mean, he faces the three biggest guys on the roster in three consecutive tournament matches. Eventually, that third guy is going to have the benefit of the doubt just because of exhaustion reasons. Yeah, yeah. This this will be interesting. You know, I, I, I they're they're not going to go all out. I I certainly expect like a Shimizu roll up to close things out here. But I don't, I don't have a good idea of what this match is going to look like or, or what they're going to go for here. I would, I would assume under ten minutes, just with the pattern of, of the way Dragon Gate lays out these tournament matches. But it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, and that would give, I think, both of us the anticipated Shimizu versus Minora finals of Reiwa Big Six versus the uh, one left outside. Interesting what uh, path for Minora here. You, you brought up that you think no matter what, Minora just this is a finals where he takes the L and given everything, he th- this doesn't take the bloom off the rose. We don't think they are KZing him here. No, no. I Minora is in a better position now than KZ has been for most of his career. But Menor's Menor's winning the big one one of these days, and it might be next year for the 25th anniversary. I could see them doing a deal where he wins the Dreamgate and then wins King of Gate if they have the same schedule next year. He's he he's not in danger of of being KZ just yet. 
Yeah, and with his age, I mean, he is still. I don't think he's turned twenty five yet. I still think well, Kodaman well, or th- think about it from this perspective. KZ and the lack th- uh, of KZ time has existed in either Natural Vibes 1.0, Team Dragon Gate, or primarily in Natural Vibes 2.0 and 3.0. Ultimately, there's no change to that KZ. He's been the same guy now for about six years, and it's a guy that we love. Not a complaint by any means, but there's no change in the the trajectory of KZ. It's the same guy that's been beaten time and time and time and time and time again. Think about the last three years of Coach Menorah's career. Okay, 2021, he's like the underdog upstart in Masquerade. And it's surprising that he gets to the finals. There's a chance that he could beat, oddly enough, KZ. And then it doesn't work out. And we go, all right, he'll be back next year. And then the finals last year, you know, he sneaks his way in. And it's Yoshioka versus Menorah, which was, uh, you know... Uh, controversial as it really uh put fuel on the fire of the nozawa storyline because somebody was like well nozawa wanted yoshioka versus Minoru in the finals i was like well we all kind of saw that coming it's you know it wasn't i digress anyways you know he was gold class in a failed gold class unit pre-ben k ashita leaving the company two weeks after that you know, it was, it, it was a, a low point for him. And then obviously everything came in July. That was just a complete and utter disaster. And now he's in a, you know, he's still in gold class, but it's a different unit. He's in a different position. He's going to change again and again and again. Manor is just a guy that's going to be in constant flux in terms of the unit and the presentation and the positioning that he's in. He's by, by, by a result of that, not in a position that Casey is in. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also has with the fact that Menorah, as you brought up earlier, we're talking about July of 2020 as the true start of his career and only about a year and a half before that. You're talking nine years for KZ that they were able to take him to a certain point or let him get to a certain point, but unless there is that big change and it might be too long, you know? Yeah, I... I I think his story is that it doesn't have a storybook ending. I, as we continue to move along, that's just that's the way I, I think it's looking. Yep, and that is the uh, King of Gate finals. I, I think we're both s- still pretty firmly on Camp Shimizu. They're really the one thing I'll say about this tournament is they have not given us any reason to have any doubt in the story or anything tossed in as a spanner in the works. It's something that I. I can't think of the last time that they really went surprising on a King of Gate result, at least when you got down to final day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I'm actually kinda kinda curious now. Let me let me look at the winners here just to see the last one that that really shocked us. Because Yoshioka made sense, KZ made sense, Ata made sense, Ben, that was obviously his year. Yoshino was twenty eighteen. I mean, T Hawk was a surprise in twenty seventeen, but not in the way that you uh not in the way that you mean, I don't think. Uh, Yamato 2016, that was obvious. Yoshino 2015, that was pretty. That's pretty straightforward. Well, okay, it, it was it was 2014 because the yeah, finals Hulk that, didn't win. It Hulk didn't win in the finals was Susumu versus T Hawk, and everybody thought that T Hawk was going to win that, and it ended up being Susumu. And then they did yamato versus susumu in a match that only aired on the intermission of world 14 i still haven't seen that match uh but they did a dreamgate match uh 
post King of Gate there. Non-televised Dreamgate match. Who would have thought? Yeah, God, I can't even imagine that world nowadays. You know how, but it's, how upset I would be if we didn't see a Dreamgate match now? I would wonder how much so, that whatever person who paid for that show paid for that match. Yeah, yeah. Man, next year, so, you know, King of Gate 2014 was when I really decided to go all in on Dragon Gate because the, the Korokin show, it was headlined by T-Hawk versus Tozawa. And it was, it's such a good match. And it really just made me go, okay, this is something different. I'm really into this. I want to get more into this. I go through this tournament, which almost none of it aired on TV. It was that Corkin and then the finals in Sambo Hall. But God, what a fun tournament this was. I really wish we had the fan cams of this show because some of the matches we didn't get, and this is 2014, Yoshino versus Eita, Genki versus Yamato, Shingo versus Ryotsu Shimizu, uh, Mochi versus Kagatora, and then like the the second round matches, it's T Hawk versus Yoshino, Hulk versus Genki, Shingo versus uh, Naoki Tanizaki, and Susumu versus Masaki Mochizuki. That's crazy. None of those aired. We didn't see any of those. The semifinals were T Hawk and Hulk and Susumu and Shingo. We saw none of those. Yeah, and. And when you like you like think about like how that was with distribution wise. So during that time, that was still kind of UStream into Nico Nico, but it yeah, was that, full- that's that's still that's still UStream because UStream went away shortly after World that year. It went away kind of the early fall of 2014 because there's that weird. This is completely off the rails, but there was that weird period of New Japan. I think it must have went away in September because October was King of Pro Wrestling and they did Tanahashi versus Styles in the main event. And that match was on Nico Nico in Power Struggle, which had a five-star Ishii versus Goto match. That was on Nico Nico. And then Wrestle Kingdom that year was the first world show. So we lost Ustream like September 2014, I guess. Yeah, that, that that seems about right because then it was like Nico Nico. I still have Nico Nico points, by the way. Oh, who I know. is on? It's, yeah, who is on Nico Nico? How do, how sleazy do I have to get? I know Triple Six now is doing did live streaming with English commentary, so I feel like they did maybe, English commentary. Chris Brooks was there. Oh, doing I, I saw that. I okay, that's yeah. less weird. That's okay. If it's Chris Brooks, I'm gonna allow it. If it was like. <laughs> I was thinking like Arda Ocal did it or something. It's like, what are we doing here? What <laughs> like what what like Kevin Gill doing the Chinese Fed? Yeah, it's like they got Lenny Leonard out of retirement to do six six six. Just like good. Uh, I was like, what are we doing here? But it's Chris Brooks. That that makes more sense. Lenny might do that. Lenny, uh, hey, I, hey, you cut Lenny the right check. Lenny will do a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Brooks. You have that KOD money now. You, yeah, you got no, paper money to do. You, you got to pull him away from the shoot job. He's uh, uh, you know, a very successful man. But anyways, I, I think the last like real surprising King of Gate winner would have been Susumu in 2014. I think you could point to Ricochet in 2013 as well, and then Genki in 2012. So you had a stretch there where they were going a little off kilter with their King of Gate winners. But yeah. for the last decade, it's kind of been the guys that we thought. And as we go into Minora versus Shimizu, I don't think either of them are 
are shocking. You know, it makes sense that we're, we're approaching this point in the tournament and these are the guys that are left, minus Yo to some degree. I think it's a huge mistake if Shimizu doesn't win. I think Shimizu uh, challenging for the Dreamgate belt right now in this moment is far more interesting than Minora, and I like what Minora is doing, but I don't think there's a wrong result here. No, I'm totally with you on that. I'm right now looking at that 2012 to 2014 bracket. And interestingly enough, you have Ginky Horiguchi, King of Gate 2012. We all know that. We all saw the tank top he wore for three years. But it's Akira Tozawa who headlines that year's Kobe World afterwards. Same thing with Ricochet in 2013. He wins. He gets his first Dreamgate shot. And then it's Shingo beating uh, Shima at Kobe World that year. 2014, I, I, Susumu got that title shot before uh, Kobe World, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Susumu and Yamato, and it was the champion gate in Hokkaido that they used to run. Oh, that's right, Which yeah. weren't televised. Or not not Hokkaido, but Hakata, I think. Well, no, shit, what was it? I gotta I gotta look now, because it's gonna bug me. Um, it, it, but it, it, it was I the, don't it feel was like it would have un- been Hakata. I don't think it would have been Hokkaido because that would have been really late for when they run Hokkaido. Yeah, no, it was it was Champion Gate Hakata. They it was it was Star Lanes, but these shows didn't air because the year before was the Shima Ricochet match that no one's ever seen. That's right. And then yeah. and then this was Yamato versus Susumu. Shima versus Ricochet, still my Dragon Gate Holy Grail. I, I would do anything to see that match. And here's the disparity of your two open the voice gate hosts. Case, you know what mine is, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at, at Champion Gate Hakata 2014 Night 2, and I see a three-way match between Stalker Ichikawa, Genki Horiguchi, and Batten Blah Blah, and I'm assuming that's what your top pick is. Well, one of the people is in that match. Uh, I'm going all the way back. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii worked a lot of Torimon but never made tape. He had a series of nine singles matches with Soccer Chikawa that I would die to see. Each one. I don't and I expect it to be on a high eight fan cam. I want to see those matches. Especially yeah. like Ishii at that time with a high top. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to see Shima and Ricochet do cool flips, but we we all have our thing. We, we all have our things, but case, a joint thing for us is a fandom of a special member of the roster, someone we haven't talked about, even though he was on the Tsushima and uh, Yamaguchi shows. That's UT. We are having a 10th anniversary year for UT. It's a little complicated with UT's actual debut. I don't know when it's actually celebrated. Case, you're the one who, uh, this was your topic, but we're going to talk about some special UT matches to close out tonight's show. Uh, UT, uh, what draws you to UT? Well, real, so his debut is listed as April 14th of 2013 in Mexico in a three-way match. I consider it to be August 30th of 2013 when Millennials landed back in Japan. So either way, UT gets his hometown, his 10th anniversary show on August 6th in the singles match against KZ. To answer your question about what draws me to UT, the fascinating wrestler, you know, we, we kind of did an impromptu biography of his career either a week or two ago, but I, you know, I, I just couldn't have imagined even f- four or five years ago, it being UT's 10th anniversary and having it mean anything, having him mean anything. Cause he was a wrestler that for the longest time 
you know, I did not get, I did not care about, I did not think there would be a future for him there. You know, I thought, it, you know, basically the career that OG Shiba had in Dragon Gate, it for a while, it looked like UT would actually be the predecessor to that. And instead, throughout all of these injuries and unit changes and times where he's been really featured and times where he's been really de-emphasized, he, he remains a part of the roster. And, and thanks for the work that he's done in Natural Vibes, I, I think he's a very valuable member of the roster and, and one of the many beating hearts of the promotion that continues to, to keep things chugging along. Yeah, uh, another reason I like him, like, uh, again, like the OG Shiba comp that I was about to, to hit unmute and scream OG Shiba right as you were saying that. <laughs> but the, the thing that gets me, and a lot of this started happening right as he was joining Tri Vanguard, was he, before really anyone was doing it on Turner Broadcasting, he kind of revitalized, at least in my eyes, a style of wrestling that I've I have a lot of passionate feelings about. And Yave, the uh, the submission style of Mexican technical lucha libre, and when he revitalized his career with his good lucha, as his finishing move would be translated into, uh, it's something that it really revitalized and has made him someone that really since. 2018 if i'm going to list who i think were the best technical wrestlers in the world over that five-year period even if it's a top 10 list i think he has like a strong midfield appearance there he's really shown what you can do with a particular style of wrestling and incorporate that into the fabric of a promotion that that at one time was very much about yave but that was 20 years before and kind of reviving it in a lot of ways was something that really brought me into him. And then the work in Tri Vanguard and Natural Vibes as well, really capitalizing on uh, both his Nagoya uh, hometown and also like his ability has been really something that has made him probably my favorite in-ring wrestler in Dragon Gate over the last few years. Yeah, so what I wanted to do, just because, you know, we obviously had King of Gate to talk about, but I knew we would have some time uh, to, to talk about some extra stuff this week. So we picked three matches on the Dragon Gate Network, uh, one that I want to talk about, one that Mike wanted to talk about, and one that, I, you know, I knew we both would want to talk about. And if you're a newer fan, or maybe you want to revisit some old stuff, or maybe you haven't seen some old stuff, we picked three UT matches that are on the Drangate Network that you can watch in celebration of his 10th anniversary. Uh, and I think we should we should go chronological here. Neither of us had anything from his Millennials era. Part of that is, you know, that's not the fullest uh, part of the, the archives on the Drangate Network, but also... I mean, do you have a UT Millennials match that sticks out in your mind? I have one, but it's not on the network, and it's it's not what I would have picked anyways. Yeah, the the thing with that era is, like, it, it doesn't get better for him after the landing, <laughs> frankly. No. Like, it, his position within the unit, his position within the roster, his health, nothing was as good as it was in 2013, and the network doesn't have a whole lot of 2013. He wasn't involved in a whole lot of, of major frontline millennial stuff after 2013 because that's when you started having Flamita kind of becoming the number three in that unit. You had Maria as well, and his health really kind of impacted that. So it kind of is very fitting that we uh, just kind of ended up picking 
three matches within the the same four month time period. <laughs> Funny yeah. enough. Well, I, I will say, and I would love to know people open the voice skate channel on the on the Voices of Wrestling Discord, what your sort of go to UT match is. Cause I think it's there's a wide range of answers. I think a lot of people have connected to a lot of different things throughout his career. And especially if you have one that we don't mention or just want to shout one out that we didn't mention, I would really like to hear what that is just out of morbid curiosity. The one millennials match that is unfortunately not on the network, but if you can track it down, I would recommend it because it's 15 minutes of UT getting his, uh, I, I will say this in the nicest way I can, 15 minutes of UT getting his shit rocked in. Uh, October 10th, 2013, 10, 10, 13, Don Fuji, Masaki Mochizuki, and Super Shisa versus Ata, T-Hawk, and UT. This, for all of the violence that Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji have dished out over their almost 30-year careers, this is like a top five match. They destroy UT. I mean, T-Hawk and Ata get it bad, but this is sort of a showcase for, hey, UT is the small guy. You know, he's the guy that can get his ass kicked and boy, do they take advantage of that. The finish of this match, and I will not spoil it. I want people to be able to track it down and, and be surprised if they haven't seen it. The finish of this match, one of the nastiest things I have ever seen in a wrestling ring, and it's by way of Don Fuji and UT. I don't remember this match, so you're going to have to run me through this. Oh, my God. Oh, well, it's it, look, it's it's. Mochi Fuji and Shisa versus three young guys. You know, it's right. it, it's an it's an ass kicking that that never really lets up. But it's you know it's that cork and show. So this is we're we're now in, you know, guaranteed sellout era of Dragon Gate. Main event on this show was Yoshino versus Yamato. They did that in Corkin. It's fucking insane. But and, and this would have been either soon after or right around when Yamato turned right no no yes, no yeah. no the, he, oh. he he's Matt Blanky at this point this is this is okay. where he loses okay. the dream gate so okay he, he right. beats Shingo he beats Shingo in August he has the defense against Saito in September and then has the Yoshino match in October which they did I mean they did three dream gate matches in a row at Corkin and it was Yamato versus Shingo Yamato versus Saito which that match kicks ass despite my feelings on Rio Saito and then Yamato versus Yoshino. These are just loaded, loaded shows. So the atmosphere is crazy. It's stuffed to the gills. I mean, it is so clearly 1850 in that building. And then you have this, you know, this six-man tag. And at this point, the Millennials are are established, at least the, the main three. I think this might have been... Yeah, this predates Rocky Lobo and Flamita and even Maria, because Maria doesn't debut uh, as that character until November. So it's just these three, and it's a war. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll track this down um, and send it to you, Mike. And anybody that wants to shoot me a DM, I can try to get them a copy of this. But it, it's a war. Uh, you know, it's one that I, I I've talked about with people throughout the years, and it for the people that have seen it, it it seems to leave a memory of like, God, that was that was really violent, wasn't it? It's was like, yeah, no, that was that was messed up. What what they did to UT was uh, quite disgusting. <laughs> I, I i need to watch this so i'm glad you're gonna seek that out so let's go with the first match chronologically this was your selection this is from uh another auspicious day in uh, dragon gate history december 4th 2018 the day that pack won the dream gate from masato yoshino it was ut versus shun 
Yes, yes. So this is a really important match with five years of hindsight within the context of the Dragon system because this is a match where Shun is still Mochizuki Dojo, UT is Tribe Vanguard, and there's all of these young guys sort of swarming around the mid-card, ready to be elevated, ready to take the next step, but there's there's almost like a jam at the top. They don't know how to funnel these guys through. So this match, uh, which, like I said, we'll have the link in the description of this episode. It's also on the Dragon Gate Network in the Infinity section 2018. This match leads to the rookie ranking tournament, which obviously leads to Shun winning, him pinning Benkei, him losing to Pac, and then, you know, from there, he has a, a big summer, and then he's off to Mexico, and then by the time he comes back, he's a Dreamgate champion. But this is UT and Shun trying to see who the better of the young guys is. You know, Shun was really looking to elevate himself in storyline from Mochizuki Dojo, and UT was looking to prove that he belonged not only in Tri Vanguard, but just still on the roster. You know, by this point, he had been there for five years, but Shun and Yoshioka and even Minora, who had only been there for a few months, they they were at risk of passing UT by. And so they had this match, and I, I will spoil the finish here. Skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear it, but it goes to a 20-minute time limit draw, and that results in post-match chaos where they set up the rookie ranking tournament after the fact. But it was... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Can you go back five years and kind of remember where you were at with UT? Because for me at this time, this was when it sunk in that he was someone that I could get invested in, that he was going to be around, that he had talent, and that he was somebody that I actually had to care about and not just one of these dark match, opening match sort of wrestlers. Yeah, this was around the time where... UT really kind of took that step and I don't remember exactly if this was right as he did his Yave reinvention or it, was it's soon. close uh, you know right. there's, yeah. there's even like it's fun watching Shun in this match because Shun even does some Yave you know I, I think people forget he's really bulked up and he obviously wears the bodysuit now and the way that he presents himself he comes across bigger than he is but Shun is lanky and fast and reckless wrestling, wrestling like a brave gate guy and not a dream gate guy in this match. And that's pretty cool to watch in hindsight. Yeah. Like it starting off the match with his, like his, cause he would do this all the time is just how far away we are from it. Start off with that reckless tope that he always did or plancha suicida. He always did to start those matches. And after that, I, I, I just, it, it was something with this match that, not only brought me back to UT doing this uh, reinvention that was blowing my mind, but Shun Skywalker in the uh, fall 2018, but already had things put together that I know we've talked about how uh, Mochizuki Jr. and Ishin, that became a little bit of a, a local draw, at least for the Tokyo market, and that became one of the big things that people would come to see. I felt like at this time... Uh, maybe we didn't know it at the time because we weren't talking to the right people, but it felt like that that uh, Skywalker kind of became one of those guys in that way, and I thought it was really fascinating and really yeah. fun the way really fun the way that UT used the the size difference, but used it in a way to his advantage and to a point where the Cobra Twist spot in this like I holy crap I forgot how big the Cobra Twist spot was in the spot in this match. 
Yeah, completely. Uh, again, this is where you really start to you to see UT transform from a guy that was, you know, was cannon fodder, was there to get beat into a guy that was not only, you know, earning respect, but you really see him transforming into the wrestler that he is now almost through the course of this match. And again, it's it's very submission heavy. Shun is on top for a lot of this match, very dominant. And UT fights to stay alive, and he does it in a pretty engaging way. And and this is one of those matches where, again, it was just a turning point for me and what UT brought to the table. And uh, one that was really fun, given everything, you know, the way Drangate looks right now. Watching a five-year-old Shun versus UT match, very, very enjoyable. Yeah, you can also see both Kamei and Kakuda on ring boy duties at the time. Especially after, like, the insane uh, tope from Shun that absolutely shatters a chair with it. Uh, it, it, it I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was my big takeaway, too, was you can see Kamei during the entrance. You can see Kakuta on the floor. And it's so funny that Kakuta has, like, the straight young boy buzz cut and Kamei has the Justin Bieber hair. Like, I've never seen a Drangate young boy with that much hair before. <laughs> yeah, no, he has basically the exact same haircut he has now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, one of the things that I really love about UT that was in play here in this match was in the closing stretch, uh, there was a uh, a knee salt like right out of the Bien Yave and then working the Bien Yave into these places that really was, was such a kind of cool experience to remind yourself of. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's a nice walk down memory lane. Just uh, again, like I said, these guys, you know, UT is roughly the same, but this is a cool sort of experimentation match for this. But UT versus Shun now would just look so drastically different. It's it's really worth going back and checking this out. I don't know if UT can survive a match with Shun nowadays. Uh, I'd like to see but, it. I that's that's a key yeah. of eight match that would just be nice to to be able to see at some point. Right, yeah, like 2024 first round, you have them at Cork, and it goes six minutes, uh, UT gets destroyed. Something like that. Yep. Uh, my match is the next match chronologically. This was uh, only uh, three months later at uh, 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 Champion Gate. Why was it hard for me to say that? Champion Gate, uh, night two in Osaka, March 3rd, 2019. This is listed as an Infinity episode, but we'll have the list in the show notes, but it's from Champion Gate. Uh the R.E.D. Twin Gate champion team of Benkei and Big Boss Shimizu versus the Tribe Vanguard team of UT and Kai. And I just, the, this is a match I always go back to, Case. And it is just so fun. It's just the, the way that this match goes out of control. Yeah. I have always been an advocate of saying UT and Kai, whether they're teaming or wrestling one another, those guys just fit together. And in the same way that UT versus Shun was one of the first times that it really seemed like UT had found his place in Dragon Gate, this was probably, I mean, this was the first great Kai match. You know, he, he came in in August of 2018, and I loathed him for a little bit, but he comes in here and is perfect. And he and UT is a team that it, it seems... I, I don't know. I guess there's an argument to be made that they're both past that now, but with the right gimmick change, if they wind up in the same unit again, I would be throwing Kai and UT back together in a tag team so quickly. Yeah, there's just an easy, natural chemistry there that they don't even really have to play up the idea they have a small guy with a heavyweight with it, but it it's something that 
with this match and the thing on rewatching, I probably haven't watched this match in four years, probably since March of 2019, but it was always a match I held really fondly. And it was a lot of that was just the way that UT worked as a dogged babyface in peril throughout this match and into the closing stretch where he just eats some of the most brutal uh, tag team finishers that uh, Dragon Gate has had in a long time. Yeah, the pop-up spear, you know, that uh, oddly enough was gift by our, <laughs> the very brave journalist that is Dark Pierce Flosion, uh, the incredible <laughs> reporting that he does, very accurate, very trusted, I, I'm not suspicious of it at all, but yeah, this is, you know, it, it, you put UT in the ring with Big Ben, you want to see him get clobbered, you want to see him get destroyed, and that's exactly what happened here. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a top-level Twin Gate match, you know. It's not that Tier 1, you know, with Kamei and Jason versus Shun and Diamante and Shima and Ricochet versus uh, Pac and Dragon Kid or, you know, the Amigos tag versus the Jimmy's match. But when you start going down the list, this is one of the better Twin Gate matches I, I, I think that's that's occurred. Yeah, it, it's one of the ones where I feel like that there was like an awareness that like these four guys knew like, okay, this is the kind of match that if you have a super heavyweight team like Big Ben and you have someone like UT with his size, you take advantage of it. And it, it's something with that that my, my big non-UT takeaway was maybe we, we should have saw it coming with Ben K in 2019. In terms of charisma, personality, yeah, yeah. Look, there, you know, he's a he's a weird guy that at times he's been strangely charismatic. You know, from from the jump, he was a, a rookie that jumped off the screen, and then it seemed like that was almost vacuumed away. But there are times where you go, oh no, this guy, this guy's a performer. You know, he's he's certainly not traditional in a lot of respects, but he is undoubtedly a performer. Yeah, it just was something putting myself back into March of uh, 2019 going like, oh, he is about to go on like one of like the the big one of the most like dominant and powerful springs into summers in Dragon System history and will be completely washed out by December. And yeah, this is was... one of the this is one of the last heel bin matches because he turns in May. Yeah. No, this was his last big heel match, actually, if you really think about it, because yeah. he turns in the cage. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's it, it's a good one. And again, just a shiny example of what UT is capable of. And nothing showed what he was capable of than probably our most talked about small show match of the last five years. It's a Prime Zone upload from 2019, uh, April 16th. So only basically 42 days after uh only uh, 43 days after champion gate you had ut versus super shisa in a different kind of match in front of maybe a hundred people in kobe lapis hall yeah a match that thanks to our our kobe correspondent super shisa is now very aware of how much we love this match and re-watching it today i didn't think it was possible it's actually better than i remember you find something new each time you watch this match. I, I, it's so smooth. I mean, I, I've been, I've been painted unfairly, uh, you know, over the years by my critics, my haters, my doubters, my naysayers, as somebody that doesn't enjoy the finer side of wrestling, the grappling side of wrestling. Not true. 
I don't like Timothy Thatcher. Not very good at what he does. If Evolve had looked like this in its peak era, I would have gotten an Evolve tattoo. I would have had the face of Gabe Sapolsky tattooed on my body. This is wrestling. I mean, this is just, this is next level stuff. And you know it's special because uh, it's something that really hasn't been duplicated. Now, part of that is just the distribution of this match. And the main reason I want you to have the links in the description is I wouldn't wouldn't wish finding a Prime Zone episode on the network upon my worst enemy. I'm glad we were both (laughs) able to find it. But... You know, I, I remember, I, I think Grant Akuma is the one that said this because he, he said it publicly where he was just like, you know, it's not that, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's basically like, you know, it's not that wrestlers don't like Yave style. It's just, it's so hard to do. Like learning it is not easy because you either have to learn it from Skyda or you're learning a bastardized version of it. And even if you learn it from the very best, it's just not something that most guys can actually do. Yeah, and to have a match that's almost 20 minutes long that is purely Yave-based, there's only, like, five strikes in the entire match. There's only, like, one, like, wrestling move outside of a hold being traded, and it's a sudden pile driver that Shisa does when he gets frustrated. Yeah. Uh, uh, What was, like, your new moment in this match, in this watch for you this time? Mine was I did not... I forgot that UT gets his nose busted open very briefly and comically wipes his his bloody nose on Shisa's wrist tape and the crowd cracks up. Yeah, I, I like that. But but for me, again, it was just how smooth everything was. I I knew the match was great. You know, I, I knew I loved it. But watching it again, I mean, that, this match is four years old now. And I there's nothing there's nothing that's come close. I mean, you know, Drangi did. So UT got hurt pretty shortly after this. And then his return match was Ultimo versus UT, which was bizarre. And I, I I think we were both selfishly hoping that Ultimo versus UT would look a lot like Shisa versus UT. And it was good, but it, it wasn't by any means what this was. So seeing this here, you know, Shisa being one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and UT being a guy that I've really come to respect just seeing how good they are at this style that no one is good at. Ah, it's just, it was really nice to see if you've never seen this match before. I mean, this it, it's, you know, Mike and I are higher on this than most people, but if you know, okay, let's hypothetically, we're making a DVD for the best. This is hypothetical. We're making a DVD for the best 25 matches in Dragon Gate history for the Dragon Gate 25th anniversary. This is match 25. I mean, this is so obviously on the list if Mike and I are curating it because it just holds a really special place in our hearts. If you've never seen it, go out of your way to watch it. I think I have another way to pitch this match to people who might just listen to this show. They don't dip into Dragon Gate that often, but they like like listening to us, and but they do appreciate some things like this. You'll never see headlocks and arm ringers and arm breakers applied in creative manners and out of moves you would not think you would be able to apply a headlock but for 20 minutes they basically try to find ways in and out of headlocks wrist locks there's a huge spot about a roman knuckle lock of all things it's so different it's so unique it is just it's the match that i identify with ut and on his 10th anniversary it, it was time to revisit this yeah, no, completely. It's it, it's a very special match, and 
I, I've got a very busy week ahead of me with the Drangate shows and yeah, everything else I got going on my going on in my life. But watching this, it really made me want to sit down and rewatch the best of Super Shisa up and just bask in his glory. What, what a what a special wrestler he was. Someone should steal his standing STF. He does. Somebody should just wrestle like him. That's the plan. <laughs> Listen just to this guy. Just do just do what he did. Wrestling would be better if you just copied him. Yeah, you just go it's to amazing. Mexico, you end up in Torimon, but you don't go there yourself. You end up just grinding it out there. You have an intermittent taco truck, and you go out there and have perhaps the, the best Yave match to ever happen outside of Mexico. He's, he's the guy, you know, no one cares about my tweets, nor should they. It's, you know, I, I get a bunch of nonsense on there. And it's really just a bunch of, like, Drangate and kind of, like, indie Lucha stuff. But whenever I post a Shisa gif... That it blows up, you know. It gets it gets people. It, whether it's Saito, all cap Saito or Shisa, it's people going, "Wait, who's this guy? What is this? I've never seen this before." And you know, his career, I, I think, uh, could have gone a lot of different ways. I, I we probably got the worst version of it, uh, but God, you, I, I'm just, I'm so glad we got this match. And and I'm, you know, selfishly, uh, very glad that that he's aware that that we touted it the way that we did. Yeah, now we just got to get UT's thoughts on this match, and we can actually have an oral history of a match that we are the two people outside of Japan who care about the most. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can make it happen. We, we can make could. It happen. We absolutely could. Well, well, let's let's preview this Corican card real quick and get out of here. We already talked about the King of Gate stuff. It is opening with uh, Kakuta versus Shimizu for one semifinal, then. Uh, Kota Minora versus Hio for the second one. They will face the winners will face off in match seven for the championship. Uh, Dragon Gate's number one championship, King Gate 2023. Elsewhere on Cork, and we have a six man tag: Susumu, Mochizuki, Azushi, Kana, Mochizuki Jr., M3K versus Zebras, Shun, Kai, and Ishin. Eight man tag: Dragon Kid, Punch Tomonaga, Yoshiki Kato, and Daiki Yanagiuchi versus Binkei. Uh, Naruki Doi, BB Hulk, and Minorita. We're having a gold class reunion on match four. Match five, Mochi Fuji returns as Masaki Mochizuki teams with Don Fuji versus Shuji Kondo and Takashi Yoshida. That's probably the uh, biggest match physically one can have in a Dragon Gate ring. Maybe sub out Mochizuki for Kakuda. And then the uh, semi-main event is, uh, is Natural Vibes versus D-Courage Unaffiliated as it's KZ, Strong Machine J making his return, UT, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kame versus this really just, you got Yuki Oshioka, you got Dragon Daya, so you got some D-Courage in it, but you also have Yamato and Kagatora, so you have some X-High-End in it, and Ata to fill out that 10-man squad. That's Corkin coming on Thursday, okay? So, uh, uh, this card, uh, pretty scattered outside yeah. of King of Gate. Yeah, I I don't love it. I, I I'm into I'm into vibes versus everybody else. Sort of vibes versus the world here. That that's intriguing. Just you know, it's Ata in a back half cork and match. So I, you know, people are going to be throwing their their braziers at him. You know, it's going to be like the fucking beetle showed up and he'll do a walk and brawl with Casey and then you know <laughs> clap his hands and go back to Noah. It's going to be very frustrating, but. I think that match looks interesting, but I, I, I don't know. You know, Zebrats versus M3K could be cool. Uh, uh, there's There has not been a lot of Junior versus Skywalker interaction, and I am yeah. looking forward to that. 
Uh, the gold class match does nothing for me. Uh, the Mochi Fuji match kind of depends on how much Yoshida we get versus how much Kondo we get. But this is a show that'll be sold entirely on the idea of King of Gate and whether or not people are invested in Shimizu or Minora. So the number will be very interesting. You know, Drangate lives in sort of the 950 to 1200 range. You know, anything 1200 or above is a is a massive win. Anything in that range, they normally fall in, and I think everybody's okay with that. If it dips below 950, uh, you know, I'd, I'd tug the collar a little bit. I'd be a little bit concerned, but I don't see that being the case here. Yeah, uh, I, I largely co-sign that that M3K versus Zebrats match just for having Junior versus Ishin in on it provides a little bit of uh, meat on the bone there. Uh, yeah, this 10-man tag, this is really like our... This is like... Uh, like Mega Powers Collide or Merch Sellers Collide with that and Kakator gets come along as well. Yeah, God, the the the, the merch sales on that match, they're, they're going to have a good night. Did you think that they book Ada after intermission so they could hope they can maybe get him to sign things during intermission? I, that is a phenomenal theory. I certainly can't rule it out. <laughs> it's, hey. it's certainly a possibility. When I look at this guy, we've talked more than enough about him. No need to relegate it, relegate that uh, as we're closing up here. Uh, when you see the guy with the presence he's had since he's gone freelance, semi-main of ending, I, that, I, that's the conclusion because I don't expect anything else out of it is, hey, Ata, uh, you want to bring some of your new Hao Ming shirts and sign them for people here? Okay, sweet. You're, you're going on second from the top. Yep, and uh, next week you'll be wrestling Leona. Have fun. <laughs> yep have that but that's gonna do it for us this week on open the voice gate we'll be back with you on tuesday talking about this cork and there's another show happening this weekend as well for dragon gate i did not have that page up on my on my run sheet but oh, uh, good. Well, it's the it's the aichi show right yeah it's aichi it's aichi on six it's a it's the 10th anniversary show so there will be and oh my god there's three shows this weekend fuck i'm busy what are we doing here it's the strong machine j kai homecoming show and kanagawa on the fourth it is the hiroshima show on the fifth and the ut homecoming show in nagoya aichi on the sixth we will uh not only break down king of gate next week obviously but no no other podcast i can say this confidently no other podcast covers aichi region attendance the way we do and i am fascinated to see what the number they do on sunday is so expect attendance talk uh for big picture japan stuff next week as well yeah i'm just looking at their travel week and at least you're saying in the metro area with that yokohama show but then you're going to hiroshima nagoya and then you get five days off that's not a uh, that, that that's not a fun three-day period i would say no that's that, that's uh, i did not realize they had all of those shows this week that that'll be interesting I, at least nagoya is somewhat close to that and then and then next week uh they are in kunamoto for ginky horaguchi's 25th anniversary shows so it's an interesting august coming up for dragon gate and of course dangerous gate on the 20th they announced uh gate of origin and gated destiny dates today as well but that's unless you have anything else case i think that's going to do it i think that's it yep that will do it this week on open the voice gate uh, thanks for everyone for listening if you like to follow open the voice gate we're just going to say twitter we did the x thing up, up top on twitter it's at open voice gate uh if you want to also 
uh find out more about the show go to the voices of wrestling discord uh case and i we we post up both in the uh the show specific open the voice gate channel and the dragon gate channel and we hang out there a lot of it's the best place on discord i would say over there but you could also follow us on twitter uh cases that underscore in your case i'm at fuji thanks for listening to open the voice gate we'll be back with you next week talking about who wins 2023 king of gate take care everyone Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener, Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.